can fool me, but you can't fool Hemingway. And welcome to the Movie Ladder Podcast, where we're climbing the rungs of cinematic connections. Each week, we're discussing a movie that connects to the movie from the previous week's podcast. I'm Zach Brooks, and for the 180th time, I'm joined by... Brandon Fitzpatrick. And uh, Brandon, this week, or last week, we talked about Hugo. And this week, due to a uh, France in 2011 and 2012 Academy Awards connection... We will be discussing Woody Allen's 2011 film Midnight in Paris. Then at the end of the episode, we'll decide on our next movie based on suggestions sent in by the listeners and us, your hosts. Uh, And uh, we will be spoiling Midnight in Paris. So if you haven't seen it yet, put the timestamp in the podcast description if you want to skip ahead. Uh, Or if you want to pause the podcast, uh, you do have to rent Midnight in Paris, I believe, uh, Mm -hmm. stream rental. But you can rent it and watch it and then come back and listen to this podcast. Of course, it's, we always suggest that you do because we're going to have a discussion about the movie. And as always, you can submit your feedback, ratings, questions, comments at Ladder Movie on Twitter and Instagram, movieladder at gmail.com. And follow us on Letterboxd, The Movie Ladder. See all the movies that we've talked about and discussed, all the movies that have been suggested. Those are all on our watch list. So a uh, good way, especially as you're sending in your suggestions, to make sure you don't send in something we've already done a podcast for because – this movie, for example, there's lots of movies you could suggest off of it that we've already done. Absolutely. But uh, a lot more movies that we haven't done that I think are really good connections for this one as well. So really excited to get into it. Um, yeah, this is a movie I saw a few years ago that uh, I'm really glad we finally get to talk about on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. This is a blind spot for me, blind spot for that Academy Awards, which uh, actually I've only seen a few movies from that Academy Awards, and one of which was the winner, which I saw right when it came out. And that's mm-hmm. The Artist. And I don't really remember much about it, except at the very end. So mm. it's hard for me to rank this compared to The Artist when it's been you know over 10 years since I've seen that movie. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to talking about Midnight in Paris, spending another week in Paris with you three weeks in a row in France, Brenda. Yeah, our, we're, look at us, just a couple of Francophiles, man. Um, <laughs> are we going to spend another week in Paris? Uh, are we going to summer in Paris? Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, but this yeah. is a, do we call this section of the ladder our study abroad? Oh, study abroad. I like that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> maybe that'll be maybe that'll be our uh, t- our title connection. I have I, I feel like our title connection. Kind of I have a good title that. connection. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I mean, Hugo had to turn the clock to midnight. Right. So the clock strikes oh. midnight. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, it's very, very There's cute. My title connection. Nice. All right. Yeah. Cool. Well, we'll talk about it um, before we get there, though. Brennan, uh, what's the best thing you watched this week? Yeah, uh, let's see. There, there were a few things I watched this week. Um, I did do my homework, and right after we got off of last week's podcast with Megan the Librarian, I sat down and watched uh, Melies's Trip to the Moon, oh, nice. which yes. I really, really liked. Um, it was really cool. It was, uh, you know, there was an amazing uh, orchestral score put behind it in the YouTube version that I watched. Uh, really, really cool. Um, really, really ahead of its time. Um, really loved the way that it was shot. Um, I did wonder in my Letterboxd review if this is the first uh, depiction of aliens in popular culture. Like, were there, like, books about aliens? I'm sure there were books about or, aliens. You know, where, what, 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 when did aliens officially enter, like, the American zeitgeist, or the, you know, worldly pop culture zeitgeist to be, like, a thing? So I was very curious about that. Um, but I, I, the main thing I want to talk about this week is the film I watched for Criterion this week, uh, 1952 Akira Kurosawa film Ikiru. Yes. Which was absolutely phenomenal. Um, follows the story of a 
public works chief of staff who basically um, becomes ill and takes a break from his job while he tries to figure out how to spend his last days, like what it means to to live a fulfilling life when you know you um, only have a certain amount of time left to live. And I I found this film really really moving. Um, the performances were all great. Um, yeah, it was just it was a I thought it was a really beautiful film. Uh, maybe outside of Seven Samurai, my favorite Kurosawa film I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Throne of Blood is really, really great as well. Rashomon is right up there for me, but I think this might be my favorite Kurosawa film. I don't know. I haven't done an official ranking yet, but... I feel like Kurosawa films are a little hard to rank for me. For um, sure. Because they're also um, dense, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, I remember really Definitely. liking Akira when I saw it. Yojimbo, Yojimbo is also really, really good. Um, So the thing about Akira, uh, and one of the reasons I'm glad I watched it is... I was able to add um, the remake of Akiru that came out last year, starring mm-hmm. Bill Nighy, called Living, to my letterboxed um, Speaking of Oscar nominees. Movie, yeah, uh, the Library Ladder Challenge. In a couple weeks, we are going to have a week where you have to watch a movie that is based on a movie that was that came out at least 30 years prior. So I'm going to knock off that Bill Nighy movie, Living, now that I've seen Akiru. Mm-hmm. So there we go. That's uh, yeah. Akira. It's the best thing I watched this week. Yeah, I remember Akira having uh, a lot of bureaucracy in it, mm-hmm. and that was not something I was expecting to be in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, actually, it came up in a conversation with a, a friend of mine, and he was saying, "What is a Kurosawa film where it's the guy who like works for the government? And there's a mm-hmm. sewer, and he's just like processing documents all day long." It's like, oh yeah, like the mundanity of his day to day life, mm-hmm. like during those bureaucratic things, is like bitingly like boringly funny like it's meant to be funny it's meant Mm -hmm. to be comical and i did find myself laughing quite a few times yeah yeah um yeah no i uh was a fan of this it's one i would love to revisit again i wouldn't Mm -hmm. mind if this came up on the podcast because i feel like i mean i watched this uh about a year ago and there's Mm -hmm. parts that are a little foggy um just as you're talking about it so uh, would be would be a good one and i'm sure there's lots of reasons why we could connect to this at some point Mm -hmm. so uh all right well for me uh Brendan, I had one of those weeks where you just watch a ton of movies. It's just like, you, nice. I don't know. I just happened to be like watching a lot. Um, I don't know what it was special about this weekend, but <laughs> so it's hard for me to pick just one that was my favorite. Um, but I'm going to talk about the one I most recently watched right before Midnight in Paris. And that's Good Boys uh, from Ooh. 2019. I cannot remember if I've talked about this on the podcast. Because I, I know I watched it like a year ago. Yeah. Um, but it's just it was I was just surprised how much this held up on the rewatch. I really liked it the first time I watched it. I remember being very surprised because I thought it was just going to be like, oh, this is going to be a movie about middle schoolers who swear. And uh-huh. it's a lot about a lot more than that. It very much is, you know, it, and it's produced by uh, Seth Goldberg and uh, or Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen, yeah. And who did who wrote um, Superbad. And it very much reminds me of Superbad. It's like middle school Superbad. Okay. Um, but it's a movie that's just so funny. And one of the characters in it, uh, his name's Lucas, is on both of my reviews. I, I intentionally did not go and reread my letterbox review from the last time before I watched it again. And at both times, I was like, oh, I love the Lucas character so much. He just makes me happy. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's just a short, like, comedy about middle schoolers and, you know, like about them growing up and growing, you know, 
going on adventures. It's um it's coming of age. It's, yeah, coming of age. Yes, that's what okay. that was the term we're looking for. Um, I also watched Adventureland this week too. Speaking of coming of age, which is Good like stuff. the post super bad coming of age mm-hmm. movie. Um, and I I do feel like there's like this like for me the, those coming of age movies about like friendship and and growing up in adolescence that really resonated with me. Good Boys, um, uh, Super Bad, Adventureland, Mean Girls, Before Sunrise, um, mm-hmm. kind of all. I could build like a whole timeline of like different ages where it's uh-huh. like a list of like at this age, I identify with this at this age, I identify with this. Um, and good boys just, you know, my friends and I didn't get quite into that much trouble when we were in sixth grade, but I definitely could see my friends and I watching good boys. So nice. Um, if you haven't seen it, I'd recommend it. And if you have seen it, I'd recommend watching it in because it's a quick movie and it's just very fun. Puts you in a good mood. I can't remember if I've ever seen it or not, or if I've just seen bits and pieces of it, um, or just remember the trailer because I do remember. It's yeah. very. Di- I feel like it's very different than the trailer. Okay. Um, and the reason why I watched it is because that director, uh, Gene Stupinski, has a new movie coming out. Um, okay. The Jennifer Lawrence one. It's, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, no hard feelings, where she's hired to like take a guy's virginity or something. Right. And it's the same kind of thing where the trailer just looks like a stupid teen comedy, but mm-hmm. if it's if it's made with the heart, the good boys was, um, I, you know, I think I might have to try to go see this, especially if it's a comedy in theaters, I might just have to do like the, you know, those movies don't come in theaters that often. So I might have to go check them out in theaters. Um, and Brendan does not look like you've logged good boys on letterbox. Yeah. Oh yes, you have. Nope. You logged it and you liked it. I watched it and I liked it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you watched I guess it I watched on it uh, it. August 22nd, 2020. Okay. Yeah. Um, right, right during peak pandemic. I have no memory of. well maybe you need to revisit it maybe maybe i need to revisit akira and you need to revisit good boys very similar akira Um, yeah i guess akira could be like the coming of age for somebody who's older towards the end of their life i mean he's certainly coming of an age the age of yeah true yeah (laughs) nice all right Um, Uh, well um why don't we hop on over hop on a plane what are we have to hop on a plane to get to paris or we did no we just we're, we're in just paris starting paris my friend we start in right. we start walking the streets of paris yep um midnight paris 2011 directed by woody allen so this movie was nominated for uh best picture was it nom- and uh is that it and best director yep right okay uh anything else uh no, not best original screenplay yeah there well. that makes sense yep um and uh best art direction Yep. So uh, art direction makes a lot of sense. Uh, the score of this movie is like the way it leads you into the movie. It just sets the tone mm-hmm. as the tableau of Paris is laid out in front of you for a good Rainy 10 Paris. minutes. You're just getting like you're getting postcard shots of Paris mm-hmm. as the score brings you in. And it's just beautiful. Like, I love how it sets the tone for the movie. It's such a like wonderful, like, I don't know what the word is, like peaceful, like. This is going to be fun, mm-hmm. you know, serene. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be this is going to be a fun movie. Right. So and, this was uh, this was my first watch of it. I am. A, I, I do like most Woody Allen movies. I think they're they all at least have something interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll get into Woody Allen as a person. But I do think like his movies usually have some interesting uh, ideas, interesting um, observations about people, the way we interact, relationships, the way that mm-hmm. we go through life. And this one did not disappoint in that aspect. Um, I uh, So we're watching Gil, played by Owen Wilson, and he is a struggling writer. Or I don't know if he's really struggling career-wise, but he's struggling with just like his personal value, like what he's bringing to the world, because he he's not writing what he wants to be writing. He's writing screenplays. It's a movie about a, a 
somebody writes screenplays, so stuck in a rut, like yeah. autobiographical. Yeah, stuck in a rut, which I think we mm-hmm. all can relate to at times. Um, he is in Paris with his uh, girlfriend's fiance. Is yeah. it fiance? I was trying to know if they were engaged yeah. or not. He said yeah. they're going to get married throughout. The okay. Film. Yeah. Yes, with his engage with his fiance Inez's um, and her family. Uh-huh. And um, but he just doesn't feel connected with them, so he wanders the streets of Paris at night and finds himself interacting with all these people from the 1920s, which is the time where he he feels nostalgic for the 1920s. The the book he's writing is about somebody who's obsessed with the past. Uh, he goes and actually visits the past, and so this movie we get a lot about um, about ambition and mm-hmm. uh, about nostalgia and and feeling like the things were better. At, a, at another time period. and Yeah, um, I mean, this is something you and I have, you and I have talked about on the podcast before when, you know, we've talked about these time travel movies before on um, where basically, like, or movies that are set in, like, 50, 60 years ago in a time and place that seems incredibly ideal, idyllic, you know? Like, mm-hmm. people long for an idealized version of a time that they think they want to live in without any of the, like, without having to think about any of the bad things that were also going on in that time. Mm -hmm. Like, everyone thinks that the generational time before them was the greatest time to be alive. Like, you know, because they never experienced it, all they have to think about is the good times. They don't necessarily have to process all the bad sides. And that's what um, I find so fascinating about not only... Like, the way this movie thinks about nostalgia, but then doubles down on that when Gil ends up going further back in time Mm -hmm. with his, you know, with his 1920s paramour to the 1880s. And she's like, well, I'm going to stay. Right. That she, like, I think that that really unlocks something in this movie, right? Mm-hmm. Where they do have the, uh, for lack of a better term, like the inception of time travel, like the time yeah. travel within the time travel. And Adriana, who's also longing for something more, real, is longing for the 1890s, right? Is long, yeah. And then, you know, the people in the 1890s are saying how much better that the, uh, the time the was before that. Was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, I do think that that, that is like, well, the past through these nostalgic glasses seems so great, right? And I exactly. think. Exactly. Um, you know, I was trying to think of like some other movies that this reminds me of. And I think one that I recently watched, Babylon, um, mm. you know, where it's looking back at the the beginning of the film industry yeah. uh, and just like how exciting that time was. But it it ignores, you know, it, well, it doesn't ignore. But, doesn't you know, ignore, when you think back about it, you don't think about some of the some of the things like like, for example, <laughs> there's no antibiotics, uh, as Gil mm. says. That's right. The, yep. That while while things may seem better in the past, um, there are things that are you know, obviously better now. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, you know, I, one of the things that I like to quote, even though I don't completely agree with it is, you know, uh, the great John Hodgman uh, always says on his podcast, when he has different cases that involve someone holding on to something from the past and another person in their lives, trying to get them to give it up is that nostalgia can be a toxin. Mm-hmm. Nostalgia is a very toxic thing because it, makes us ignore everything else that was going on and idealize a time that probably didn't actually exist. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's it, nostalgia can be a very dangerous drug because if we live in the past, then we're not paying attention to the present mm-hmm. or thinking about the future. 
You yeah. know what I mean? I feel like for me with nostalgia, I'm often thinking back to times in my life that I'm nostalgic for. Right. So like I'm not nostalgic for the 1920s or the 1950s, but I am nostalgic for the 1990s, right? right. Um, partially because that was a time in my life when I had a lot less, you know, adult problems to deal with, right? You're, you know, kid, teenager. Um, but I, I think back to like, oh man, that like, I think I like think about like movie years, right? I'm like, oh, yeah. that movie year of 1997 exactly. or 1999 like, was so good. There are all these great movies. And I just went to the movie theater all the time. And I just yeah. did this and like and how that's great that sort was. Of the point of the film is that like Gil is going back and experiencing all of these great artists and writers from that time, but not anything else that was actually happening in their lives. He's getting a very surface look at, like very specific pinpoint moments in these people's lives, not their lives as a whole. Mm-hmm. And so that's sort of what we experience when we think about memory and the times that we grew up in. Like we remember very specific things. Like every, like it's sort of like us going back and talking about a movie that we hadn't seen since childhood. Mm-hmm. We're not thinking about anything else that was happening or can't remember anything else that was happening the week we saw that movie but we remember how the movie made us feel. Well, and I think too, with our memories, we remember the really good and the really bad, right? That medium stuff just sort of fades because it's not memorable one way or the other. Exactly. Um, And I think what you just brought up, like, you know, we're seeing specific moments in the artists that he's interacting with. We're seeing like them partying at night and we're seeing Mm -hmm. these like specific things, but we don't see those in between times. We don't see those tougher times. Except one scene in particular that sticks out to me was when Alison Pill's character, Zelda, yes. um, F. Scott Fitzgerald's wife, is at the edge of the of the Sun River and mm-hmm. is and wants wanting to, throw to jump. In. Yeah, yeah, because she wants to throw herself in because she's she's depressed about where her life is, and um, you know, like that's that's a time where we're seeing. I guess that that's you know that's not that in between time. That's a, a, a low low in her life. Right. But And I think that's sort of a wake up call for both characters in Adriana and Gil, but they have different reactions to it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Adriana's like, Oh, I should go backwards to a time that's better than the one I'm living in. Gil is like, Oh, these people aren't as like perfect as like, I idealized them in my head. Mm-hmm. Like they don't have all of the advantages of the time that I do and the the memory of it. Like, I mean, it's it's very different to be living in a time than it is to be reading about a time 100 years later. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I like, too, about this movie, just the mechanics of it, that mm-hmm. we don't ever get an explanation for what's going on. There's no time no. machine. It's just like it's a – and it's it's even – as I was watching, I was like, okay, so this is just like Gil is imagining this, right? As he's walking around the city, he's imagining what the city would be like. And, you know, so we're seeing his imagination. But then then we actually – that is not what's going on mm-hmm. because at the end we see the private investigator who was following yeah. him that's um, – Like in the 1700s in the and he yeah. gets yeah, off with his head by Marie Antoinette. And, yeah. Yeah. So he must have gone back into like multiple of these um, – Yeah. It's very, time loops. yeah, yeah. I love that. So, one. Yeah, it kind of reminds me um, of like Groundhog Day, for example, yeah. where we never really get an explanation for why not Gil, but Phil is uh, is stuck in this time loop. But mm-hmm. it's it's just we are we are given this kind of high concept thing, and we just go with it, and the movie just goes with it. So, um, 
And I do think, like like many Woody Allen films, this movie is pretty dense with the dialogue. Um, it's a good one to yeah. watch with the captions on, um, just sure. to catch uh, terms and words. So, you know, funny thing happened for me when I was watching this movie is uh, there's there are some terrible characters in this. One of which is this character Paul, who is just played oh, by Michael Sheen, worst. and is just yeah, it's just one of those people that even in the like. 10 15 minutes of screen time that he mm-hmm. has i just could not stand him um oh, yeah. also also uh in as his parents as well oh they're uh, awful too but like also, also wonderfully just like, wonderfully portrayed by kurt fuller and uh and sorry Kennedy. and yeah and they're i mean they're fantastic but oh my god these two like the way they look down on gill they're like uh, they obviously like didn't want their daughter to be engaged to this guy and like, well, and I mean, from their perspective, he is acting. I mean, he's disappearing at night. He's not explaining his actions. Like, I, I love the scene in the hotel room when he's trying to leave because he needs, oh, yeah. he needs to go. He knows he needs to go back because, um, you know, he's he's going to bring the the earrings to Adriana. And yeah. like, I, I love every, that's probably my favorite scene in the movie. Just like all of the chaos going on. But they're so suspicious of him um, and and his actions, because, you know, imagine that you're, you know, with no explanation, you're with this guy and yeah. he's just like disappearing at night and not explaining where he is and, um, you know, not, not being an active member of this trip as well. Um, but to go back to the Michael Sheen character of Paul. So he's described once as pedantic. And Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, that's a word that I feel like I always hear people use, but I don't really know what it means. So I paused the movie and I Googled pedantic, looked up the definition, which if you look up pedantic on Google, the first definition is like a pendant. Uh, which is like that's not very helpful that's not telling me like what this this adjective mean um but you know kind of like the way the way that it's it's described as like somebody who's just like super nitpicky and has these like annoying details and small corrections and um, always has to like chime in what they what they know right like or don't know in paul's case because what I, I love about the Paul character is just how obvious it is that he has no idea what he's talking about. He's uh, what you and I like to call confidently wrong yes, all the time. I, which I, you know, I've been called out for being in the past and I've tried to be better at it. But, mm-hmm. you know, um, Paul, I really love the scene when they're in the museum. The It's either after the first or second trip that Gil has back to the 20s. And they go to the museum and they're staring at the Picasso and Paul starts to do his thing. And Gil interrupts and is like, actually, this is about his, you know, mistress, uh, Adriana, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you're actually wrong on this one, Paul. And mm-hmm. I, so I love that he like gets to put that character in his place a little bit. Like I, I, I found that I really love that moment. Yeah, but do you think, Paul, not to be pedantic, but do you think Paul was actually put in his place? Because I feel no. like Paul just was like, oh no, Gil's wrong. Like Gil's yeah, an idiot. Of course not. Because yeah. he also like claims to be a wine expert but doesn't seem to actually know anything about wine later right. on. I, yeah, like I love the, like the wine tasting where he's he's yeah. uh, critiquing <laughs> the wine. And you can just tell, I don't know if it's the performance or the way it's written, but you can tell everything he's saying, he's acting like he knows what he's talking it's about. Bullshit. And yeah. it's, it you tastes, can just tell. It, he's like, it's tinny, but it's also oaky. And I'm like, bro, those are just like buzzwords for wine. Stop yeah. it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or like when he's arguing with um, the museum guide. Oh, yeah. About, the museum guide outside about the statue. Yeah. Was it about Monet's uh, wife? Mistress. And her mistress, yeah. right? Mistress. And he, yeah. he was correcting her. And she's like, no, I'm – she's like, uh, no, you're – I'm the guide, her. you idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I do love – I think one of the things in the writing that works so well to like really show 
how this guy uh, has no idea what he's talking about mm-hmm. is that Paul, whenever he's confidently wrong, is always says, if I'm not mistaken, like he yeah. uses that term, yeah, if yeah, I'm yeah. not mistaken, well, and it's like, you no, are Paul, so- you actually are mistaken. You are yeah. incorrect. And I, I really like it's really funny because it adds a like extra dimension of sort of um, ridiculousness to to uh, uh, Rachel McAdams character later when she admits that like she's been sleeping with Paul. She's like, he's better than you and he's smarter than you. And it's like, no, he's just pretending that he's smarter. Well, like, I mean, for for Naz, yeah. he's the idealized version of what right. she's looking for. Right. He 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 talks the talk. Um, of what she thinks she's looking for, what her parents think she's looking for. And so for her, this is like probably the idealized version of a husband. Whereas Gil is this kind of like, you know, to her, this down on his luck kind of schlubby guy. Nevish is the right word, right? Yeah. Where like he's, but he's not, I mean, he's a Hollywood screenwriter. Like even if he's not happy, like he's somebody who's like, and he's, he has passions. He has things he's like very clearly interested in. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I like just so did not identify with Inez and her family. Like every time Inez and her mom were looking at some expensive piece of furniture or jewelry or artwork. And I was just like, I am I am bored to tears by your actions. Like, I just cannot yeah. imagine being stuck on vacation with these people. Oh, and for sure. You're looking for writing inspiration. And, you know, I just think about like the stuff like, you know, I, I think like about about movies and, and things that I'm really interested in, just like Gil is really interested in this art and mm. uh, like classic art and classic literature and everybody's around, like couldn't care less about any of right. that stuff. Um, and they're just interested in these like shiny objects. Like I would absolutely love to go to the bar or restaurant if it were still there where like people know that Hemingway and F. Scott Fitzgerald and, you know, freaking Dolly all sat around the same table, like, barbing at each other like that would be Mm -hmm. so cool you know but like a lot of people that doesn't interest them like whatsoever like you know it's like i mean i don't think it would interest me to be honest like Like, it's the same sort of thing like when i was a kid um we went to like tahoe when i was a kid Mm -hmm. and as like a fun day activity i had my mom take me to the county village at lake tahoe where frank sinatra dean martin and sammy davis jr used to play just because i wanted to see it Mm-hmm. Because I thought it was so cool that we were in Lake Tahoe, and I like had to go see the place where Sinatra and Dean Martin and Sammy Davis Jr. were on stage, and so it's the same sort of thing, but like it, you know, one person's, you know, go see the stage where the Rat Pack played is another person's like try to visit every baseball stadium mm-hmm. in the U.S. during a season, you know. Yeah. Like, or like my, you know, when I'm in, when I was in uh, Albuquerque, I wanted to go and see all these Breaking Bad exactly. filming locations. Yeah. And I dragged my mom along to it. And I don't <laughs> think she had any interest because she hadn't watched Breaking Bad. Um, whereas if it was her, maybe she would want to go and see some like, you know, uh, aquamarine art or something like that. Right. right. That, and that, that, that that's the sacrifice you make for somebody that you love is like, just because it doesn't interest you doesn't mean that. You shouldn't do it or knock it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if you love the person and you're in a relationship, like, sometimes you have to sacrifice a little bit, I think. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, no, yeah, I do think it's, you know, this this movie explores a lot in the pretty short running time. I mean, it's only a 90-minute mm-hmm. movie. Um, and I think, you know, it, it, it explores a lot of characters. I do think it sacrifices a, li- a little bit with a lot of the, the car- character portrayals are pretty broad. 
right? Like, it's just like, oh, okay, like, this is his, this is his fiance who's not very supportive of him and right. is, like, sort of pulled in by her parents and is just, like, going to go off with this guy that's more, uh, more of a snob like she is and, and be like him. And then there's, like, these are her Republican parents that, like, they get into some of the politics, but there's just not much, like, care, like development there for them. Right. And I mean, you get the same thing with all of the people he meets along the way, maybe with the exception of Gertrude Stein. Like, if we start looking at some of the historical figures that he interacts with, they're very, like, broad and not necessarily romanticized, but broad and popular culturally known versions of these characters. Mm -hmm. Like, they're the broad, like, like you have F. Scott Fitzgerald playing wonderfully by freaking Tom Hiddleston saying sport like every other word mm -hmm. and you have like a drunken you know debaucherous Ernest Hemingway played by Corey Stahl who's a very broad characterization of Hemingway but is freaking brilliant like I love I love the Corey Stahl performance I I, I think that was you my know? favorite of all of yeah. the of all of the kind of cameos by historical figures I really I really like that and now I don't know much about Ernest Hemingway. I've never read any Ernest Hemingway. Mm -hmm. um, I've read a little bit of F. Scott Fitzgerald. Um, I'm not familiar with Zelda Fitzgerald. I'm not familiar with, you know, a lot of the um, the musicians that he interacts with. Like, right. I, I understand the concept of them, but I did feel at times like a little lost because I just didn't have that context on the historical figures because... This movie you know, kind of makes like, you need to go down a Wikipedia rabbit hole and go, okay, this is this person, this person, this person. It's a mm -hmm. like it's kind of homeworky in that way. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I was like, okay, I I know like of this person, and I understand mm -hmm. like a little bit of of. So I was able to kind of like, okay, to Gill, like what I was able to get is to Gill. These this would be like me going back in time and being in like a you know with like some of my favorite actors and some of my favorite movie makers right. or, or athletes and something something like that. Right. For sure. Whereas for Gill, like. Literary, he's a writer, so this liter the classic literature of this time period is what's really important to him. And so I didn't need to know exactly. Like, I'm sure there's Easter eggs I didn't catch. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are some I did catch, too. But, it, you know, more I was able to just grasp, like, okay, these are the people that this is a dream. Like, this is literally a dream for Gil to be mm -hmm. able to interact with these people. And, um, and you know, he just loves this. He loves this this era and this time period, and you know he's writing about it. He's inspired by it. So you don't, you know, it's helpful to know more about these people. But I don't think you have to know. Yeah, I agree. People are. I think it's kind of like, um, kind of like watching Babylon, right? Where you watch yeah, it, you're like, exactly. oh, that's you're like that's this intense. actor, or that's mm -hmm. supposed to be this actor. Uh, exactly. But you don't need to actually know who it is. Yeah, for sure, yeah. I agree. Yeah, I think there's actually a good uh, tie to another movie that we did this Decent year. Connection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, but I I think like. I mean, there isn't, like, a whole lot else to really say about this movie other than that, I mean, I love how briskly it moves through the plot. I love, like, the it, it at once seems to be saying that we shouldn't be nostalgic for the past, but also that there's a little bit of room for romanticization, romanticization, romanticization mm -hmm. of things that you love that you can draw inspiration from you know mm -hmm. what i mean yeah. like it's cool to want to honor the past but you shouldn't live in it mm -hmm. i think it was more of the message of the movie but or you know i mean but i i really really like i don't know i just find this movie absolutely charming 
I think, Owen, I think Owen yeah. Wilson does a really great job as our main character. We barely even talked about him, but no, yeah, and I, and I wrote down some moments that he mm-hmm. stood out to me. I think what I love, I always really like Owen Wilson in movies. I mean, I remember going back to even like, oh, and we talked about him in Meet the Parents, which would have been yeah. a really good connection off of this. But, really great in. Um, I also, parents, yeah, yeah, I remember like another one that you know I. I really sold me on him was just like he has a small smaller role in Armageddon, but I really like yeah. Armageddon too. Um, and Zoolander. Yeah. yeah, and like I remember when he had either a suicide attempt or he was in. Mm-hmm. Um, like I just remember it was so sad for me because he was always such a funny actor, and I was just like, yeah. it was. I remember at the time I was I was younger when he was like on the cover of People or something because mm-hmm. of um, because of that news, and I just remember being so sad because I I just always enjoy him on screen. I think he has such a unique screen presence. Yeah, and in this, I, I love that he's kind of fumbling over his words all the time. Like he does that, you know, the the like classic like sh- shocked wow face that you see yeah. often used as gifs, right? Um, but I especially like two moments that I really liked. One is when he first meets Hemingway and his eyes like almost literally pop out of his head. Yeah. Um, I just love that reaction to him when he says Hemingway and he sees him. Um, and then that night when he's lying in bed and he's trying to like tell himself what's happened where he's yeah. saying like we're out like, with these people and like, you're yeah. in Paris and like he's trying to like rationalize all it all to himself like the experience he just had because it makes no sense at all yeah um, and I just think like Owen Wilson plays both of those parts like really well yeah I agree um I also like really love the moment like I think it's the third or fourth time he goes and the car pulls up and he opens the door and he we don't even get to really see T.S. Eliot he just says T.S. Eliot, oh my god, I absolutely blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, oh, wait, sorry, I should get in the car, get in the car, get in the car. And yeah. like, it's like so awkward and it's so funny. I, yeah, he's like, I mean, he's like a child, right? Yeah, like, he's, he's like, like a child in Disney World, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Like he's he's like a child doing the It's a Small World, yeah. Yeah, or just like, you know, when you're at <laughs> Disney World and you see, like, like, when you're a little kid and it's like, oh, there's Goofy, Mickey, there's Mickey, Mickey there's, yeah. you know, this person, like, and you see these characters yeah. that you're used to seeing only on TV or in books. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're interacting with them. And yeah, so or it is, it's like, um, it is like adult Disney World. It reminds me a lot of like how I responded a lot of times like in my teenage years when I would go to shows in New York and wait backstage, like wait by the backstage door after the show to try to get autographs from whatever, you know, actors were in the show. And you're like waiting there and you're hoping they come out and then they come out and you get their autograph and you shake their hand. And you're trying to figure out what to say because you're just so nervous. And it's so cool that they're like, right, Martin Short is right in front of me talking to me, but I don't know what to say. So mm-hmm. I just say, oh, my God, I absolutely love Clifford. And he's like, oh, thank you. I'm like, like what else? I don't know what else to say to Martin Short. Like, it's that yeah. kind of thing. It's like right. exasperated, like, wow, you know. Yeah, and I do. I mean, what I like about this movie is the same thing I like about uh, White Lotus, right, yeah. is I love that structure of – family is on vacation right that's mm-hmm. just the overall structure and then we're just seeing like here's a day at a time of this vacation yep um and this much like white lotus kind of separates it into like individual days where we yep. have the day and then the night he's he's like a reverse cinderella where at midnight the, uh, he gets to he gets mm-hmm. to go back into the past and experience this like exciting yeah. time or like it reminds me a lot of the way way back to like the way that was structured with mm. um with um uh blah, 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 sam rockwell yeah that character like yeah same, same, same kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
We didn't talk too much about her, but Leia Sadu is in this movie, and she's a French actress who pops up. She's I feel like I most know her from the Bond movies, right? That she started popping up in the later Bond movies. But she's in quite a bit of stuff. She's in a lot of the Wes Anderson movies as well, um, with Owen Wilson. Yep. Um, I like her a lot. Yeah. And it it really stood out to me like that's who Gil ends up with her at the end of the movie. Um and she gave her name and I don't It's Gabrielle. Gabrielle, yes. Um, so they end up at the end, and you know she appreciates the rain. She appreciates the things that he appreciates. It seems mm-hmm. like a much better fit. She with appreciates him. Cole Porter, and, and Inez. you know, yeah. Inez could not give a shit who Cole Porter is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I would say the the one like kind of a criticism I would have is just that her character. I was like, why is this pretty big? I mean, she's was a relatively big name actress at the time. Yeah. Um, playing this small role of just like somebody selling records. So it really stuck out to me that there was going to be more to her character. So it, it sort of kind of spoiled that that was who they end up with at the end. Yeah, I thought so like... too a little bit. Um, I, I thought that after this time watching, I don't think that I really picked up on it the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's who that was. Like, right. I don't, I don't know. It didn't bother me. the first, I don't remember it bothering me the first time, but yeah, it did. Like I did recognize her this time. Like, Oh yeah, she is a bigger name. Yeah, I mean, that same year, she was a Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, and she mm-hmm. had been in a bunch of French films. Um, I was thinking Blue is the Warmest Color, but that Blue is the Warmest Color she was actually in in 2013, so that was after yeah. this movie. Um, so, I mean, and, uh, oh, and she's in she's in Inglorious Bastards before this. Yes, too. I did know that. Yep. yep. So, um, and I, I also feel like her character and the Monet um, tour guide are kind of very similar characters. Yeah, I, I feel thought like that they those could have been, been one character. Yeah, yeah, you could have merged that into one character. But the, I think the other part of that, and this is where we can get into maybe addressing some of the Woody Allen of it all, is I think part of the Leia Sadu thing there is she seems to be about half the age of Willem Wilson's character. Mm. And this is like a stereotypical Woody Allenism that is in almost all of his films. And it where the, and it, and I, that's where I was going. But in all of his films, just about the protagonist ends up with someone or is obsessed with someone who is like half their age. Yeah. Well, and specifically that happens in Manhattan. That's a super uncomfortable and it's never good. And it's like, obviously, you know, ha- is the vibe of this film. And I think that, you know, it's an unfortunate Woody Allenism that is, as you were about to say, is absolutely unfortunately true to life i mean woody allen is a really disgusting human being if nobody has seen if you haven't seen the mia farrow ronan farrow produced hbo documentary about woody allen that came out either last year or 2021 um i believe it's a four or five part documentary i highly recommend you watch it um mm-hmm. well worth your time um yeah, but I mean, what else is there? This is where we can sort of get into. Well, so I do want to just say, Leia Sidhu is not that young. Leia Sidhu is the same age as me. Um, okay, but or I mean, the same year as me. And I mean, Owen Wilson seem... is a little bit older, but like, I don't feel like it's a huge, you know. So this was to me, the vibe seems. Yeah, so she was almost thirty years old in this. Okay, movie. I mean, um, to me, the vibe seems more apparent that she is supposed to be much younger. Yeah, she's younger but, looking, but I mean, yeah. I would think that the age difference between her and Owen Wilson is probably less than the age difference between her and Daniel Craig. Fair enough. Um, Fair enough. So, you know, I think like it's, but I, she does seem young. Yeah. Um, she does appear young in this movie. And I don't think like every one of Woody Allen's movies has that. I think there's a lot that don't, but there's definitely, I think I haven't seen like Hannah and her sisters, but that might be a part mm-hmm. of Hannah and her sisters. Um, but there are some, I just think like Woody Allen has, you know, I'm not defending Woody Allen's actions at all, <laughs> but I do think Woody Allen makes 
makes movies that often make me think about life and think they, like they do resonate with me in terms of life and relationships and, um, and growing older. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of the themes in his movies do resonate with me. I remember seeing Annie Hall when I was in high school mm-hmm. and just some, so much of what was in Woody Allen or what was in Annie Hall, I just identified with quite a bit and I could, it, it really resonated with me. So then from there, I tried to see more Woody Allen movies and, um, so, you know, there are some that really stick out to me as really good and I don't want to talk too much about them because they might come up, but, um, you know, I have been thinking about this cause I watched Creed three this week too, which, mm-hmm. uh, which co-stars, um, uh, Jonathan majors, Jonathan yeah. majors, right. Yeah. Who's, who's in the news for domestic assault. Um, and he's, you know, potentially his career is, is finished because of what he's done. And there, there are just so many problematic figures in, in all kinds of media, not just in Hollywood. Yeah. And but, you know, I, I it's hard because I still want to consume these. You know, I still want to watch Woody Allen movies. I still want to exactly. watch Jonathan. I love Jonathan Majors as an actor. I think he's a really good actor. Um, and he's a, a, much like Owen Wilson. He's a very unique screen presence that you don't get everywhere. And, you know, kind of one of the ways that I rationalize it to myself is that there are hundreds of other people who worked on Midnight in Paris besides just Woody Allen. Yep. Uh, who did nothing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's. It's just one of those. I mean, I, I I'm sure that if you if you looked at the actions and maybe we saw some of the actions of of the artists in Midnight in Paris that are in the 1920s. Exactly. Hemingway, this is what I was Salvador Dali. Um, Hemingway was a notorious drunk womanizer and physical abuser. Right. Like I mean, but yet we're romanticizing him in this movie. So where is the, uh, this movie is commenting on the exact thing that we are, which is where is the line? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what is the line? Is there mm-hmm. a line? And separate, you I know, mean, it's really that's that separating art from the artist. And, exactly. you know, it's, I'm, I'm in a privileged position where I can say, yeah, I can enjoy Jonathan Majors movies and I can enjoy Woody Allen movies and mm-hmm. like look past, you know, the things that they've done um, and their flaws and, and the, the terrible things that they're responsible for. I don't think you, but you don't have to look past them without, you can acknowledge them without like making, without changing your life about them. Mm-hmm. Like, you yeah. know. Yeah, it's I mean, it's 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 hard and it's complicated. Um, it is. And I completely understand if people say I, I will not interact with Woody Allen movies ever again. And I, don't, um, I will I not don't watch Johnny the Majors movies. Judge them if they do. Yeah. Yeah. But um, but for me, I'm, I'm able to to kind of subjugate that. Um, and, I, and I'm glad that I finally got around to watch this. I wasn't I wasn't uh, avoiding it because of Woody Allen. I just it was one I just never really quite got to um, one one interesting thing about this is so last week when we were mm-hmm. talking about this, I was looking at the letterbox page for it. And the banner image is Gil sitting on the bench with the um with the interpreter who's reading Yeah, I thought that was odd too. Yeah. Who's reading Adriana's notebook or journal. Um yeah. and I said, Oh wow, Rachel McAdams looks very different in this movie because I just exactly. assumed that, that was Rachel McAdams in yeah. that picture. And because it does kind of look like her. It does a little bit, like yeah. Garner. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah. And it's just some random, it's just some random actress who's in this movie. Like, it's a very, it's, it's not an insignificant it's scene, strange. but it's a minor yeah. scene in this movie. Yeah, it is very strange that that character and the Leia City character both exist in this movie. I think that they, I agree with you that they should definitely be, like, one character. If it was yeah, I guess if like he would have gone, if he would have found yeah. Gabrielle and had her read the journal, maybe that would have been. But I just that think it's interesting that, like, that the promotion for this movie, they use that image of them right. sitting on a on a park bench right. um, as the as the like landscape photo, uh, especially on Letterbox. But I think Letterbox usually pulls from like promotional images, so I don't right. think that's a Letterbox decision right. as much as it is like the movie decision. Yeah. Um, so can I ask you one fun time travel paradox question based on that? Oh yeah. 
which came first, the notebook or the time travel? Oh. Um, was Gil always there? Did Gil always go back? Well, yes. Or? Somehow, because, so we get the scene where he's interacting with the director, uh, with Bunnell, who mm. made uh, the movie Exterminating Angel, which I've seen. Yep. I saw that for Criterion a few years ago. And Gil says to him, and he, I looked it up, uh, Exterminating Angel isn't made till the 60s. So he tells him this, and then he thinks about it for like 40 years. He's thinking yeah. about his idea. <laughs> but the idea behind this movie Exterminating Angel, which is very straight, it's a very strange movie. And it's about people, like high-class people who are at a dinner party, and just for whatever reason, nobody can leave. I have never understood that part of the movie. And so I'm glad you explained it to me because I had never seen this movie. I didn't know what it was. They well, you might be watching it next week. <laughs> I thought it, I thought maybe it was um, No Exit or something like that. Yeah, no, it's um, called the, the movie's called Exterminating Angel. And it's the plot is exactly how Gil describes it to him. So Gil is telling the director of the, I mean, it's sort of like your your cousin Marvin Barry. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, yeah. It's, it's very similar to like that type of thing. So, yeah, that's funny. That's I mean, Exterminating Angel might not, I mean, maybe he could have come up with this idea, but Gil gives Bunnell the idea for Exterminating Angel when he goes back. So I think it's just a, it's, this is not the movie to like think about the machinations of time travel. This is not dark. Um, yeah, I know. I just, I think there's a, a ton of paradoxes. But I just was, I was just curious what you yeah. thought. I mean, I, I the question I have is like, what about the the private investigator? He did nothing wrong. He was just hired oh, to, yeah, to follow guy. this guy, and his family is never going to know where he is. He just disappeared off, off the face head, of the earth. Bro. Yeah. Off of his head. Yeah. I also wondered how time works, right? Like it's midnight, right? He goes, so right. he goes back at midnight when the clock strikes. He he's able to go back to the 1920s. And then is he just there partying? Like he could, I mean, at most he could be there well, for six hours. Well, there's there's the one point where he's in the restaurant with Hemingway and he says he's going to go get his manuscript and bring it right back. And then he, he's like, I never told Hemingway where we're going to meet tomorrow. Right. And he tries to go back to the restaurant, the cafe, and the cafe is gone. The cafe is now so we, a laundromat, which I thought was like, yeah, so oh, this like really what, this really cool like hip place to hang yeah. out is now just a laundromat. Yeah, so we don't know how much time he spent that first night, like what the turning point is. Mm -hmm. We don't know if it's an hour. We don't know if it's four hours. We just yeah. don't know. I, I just think like again the machinations of it. I, in my mind, the yeah. way I think of it is that like time kind of freezes while he's in the right. past, right? And then he comes back and it's like twelve. Well, you know, like he's not gone that twelve long. one. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he comes back like, I don't know what caused then he walks out of the diner or the, the, mm -hmm. the bar or whatever. And all of a sudden everything's changed back. Like, I don't know what causes that, except maybe it's like, there's maybe some... once he acknowledges the next day, like if he says, I'll be back tomorrow, maybe that. Mm, yeah. Like, okay. It like, could be. Yeah. Some kind of, I mean, there might just be like some guiding force. That's like, okay, yep, your, your time yeah. is done. Um, well, yeah, no. And I'm, I'm kind of glad that this movie doesn't get bought. It's just, the movie is like. We're not going to explain this stuff like it just yeah, I love this that. is what happens at midnight. He goes back to the past and then he comes back the next day and he spends the day there and then he goes back again. Yep. Um, and when he's there, he can go again and he can go to like further deeper into the past by getting into a horse drawn carriage. Um, yep. And we're not like this isn't a science fiction movie. It's just this no. is like the this is the concept. this is a fantasy movie. movie. It's a yeah, much like much like Exterminating Angel where there's people at a party and they just can't leave the party. There's no explanation for why. And hate when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Stuck at the party. So, um, well, should we get into feedback? I think we should get into feedback. Yeah. I feel like there was more I wanted to talk about about this movie. I'm just looking at, um, I love when they talk about Indian food and he's talking about the, yeah. like, oh, she, you know, 
we pita both bread. like food. Yeah. Well, no, I guess we both like pita bread. I guess it's yeah, not yeah, food yeah. Bread. It's not. Um, yep. Made me kind of want Indian food, to be honest. Um, and and just that scene with the the earrings. Oh, yeah. I think that that definitely was the high point of this movie, where Gil is trying to leave with the earrings for Adriana. Yeah. Um, and you know, he goes and gets her earrings. Do you think that he gets her Moonrock earrings, which is what Inez says she didn't like that he thought yeah. she liked, and yeah. like. And she is wowed by these moon rock earrings. I think definitely yes. Yeah. I think absolutely 100. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And then I'll save my last thing for my one last thing. Um, all right. What do we got for feedback? Uh, all right. Uh, well, let's start with Megan the Librarian. Megan the Librarian says, "The last time I read something by Hemingway, I heard the whole thing in my head as Corey Stoll's voice, and it became absolutely impossible to take it seriously." In a movie full of very entertaining performances, it's Stoll's who stole, haha, the show. Honorable mention to Michael Sheen, as well as Owen Wilson's delivery of That's a Coincidence, when he meets the Fitzgeralds. It is not fair that a creep like Woody Allen can write a movie this good. Four and a half stars from Megan the Librarian. Uh, Write a movie this good and write a number of movies that are that are. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, it's. That's the world sometimes. Mm-hmm. It sucks. Um, and I was thinking, I was like, oh, Corey Stoll, this must have been, he was like hot off of House of Cards. Uh-huh. Uh, this is pre-House of Cards. This is, yes. This is, yeah, so it was like a year or two before, yeah. I think House of Cards was 2014. It's like three years before. Yeah. Um, also, we didn't It's do so the, weird to see him in this movie in full head of hair and mustache. Well, I just like assumed it was a wig, but yeah. yeah. Could, yeah. Um, we also didn't do the box office, so I, we will do okay. that before we, uh, before we move on. Uh, yeah. All right. Ooh, I got the short one. Um <laughs> We switched our order this week. Uh, Ron says, well, that made me want to take a trip to Paris, which wasn't on the bucket list before. Four stars. Nice. Yes. Yeah, uh, this movie definitely makes me want to visit Paris. I mean, it's, it's a, we, we spent a lot of good days in Paris and bad days in Paris. Uh, so far this year with our summer abroad, um, <laughs> modern Paris might be the best Paris we've experienced so far. <laughs> modern or well, which time period would you rather be in? Modern Paris, 1920s Paris, or 1890s Paris? I mean, 1820s Paris. I I don't Did really. Think about 1890s. I mean, well, but in Les Mis, it was 18. Oh, or yeah, okay, so, or Les Mis. You know, the 18 the 1830s Paris. Yeah, no yeah. thanks. Um, you know, cholera outbreaks, bread shortages. No, I'm good. Rebellion in the streets. Um, you know. In 1920s, uh, of course, we had that was also when Hugo was too. Yeah, exactly. That's why what I thought you meant. So I would. Oh probably, no, I'm, yeah. I meant in this movie, but yes, in I'll this movie. That. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think I think of the people that he interacts with, I'm much more interested in the 1920s people than the 18 1890s people. Mm-hmm. Um, for me personally. Um, yeah, I think the 2010s people I would have the most to talk about with, even if I didn't agree yeah. with them. Like the conversations where he's talking about, you know, not the French not supporting going into Iraq and stuff. Oh, like right, that. right, right. Um, you know, and I, I love the father's talking about like back and, uh, yeah, out Tea with Party Republicans. Yeah. It's just like very much like a time capsule yeah. of 2010. Can I, can I go to Paris with Owen Wilson in 2010? Yeah, there you that go. would be fun. Yeah, uh-huh. there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'd just have, I don't, I don't know what I would talk to Ernest Hemingway about. Um, right. Or, or uh, Scott Fitzgerald, yeah. but I did, I do like that when Corey's still sitting there with that open bottle of wine, just like drinking and talking yeah. and extolling, I was like, oh, that does just like look very fun. Um, yeah, so I agree with Ron. This made me want to take a trip to Paris. It made me want to go on like a vision quest where I'm just like, I'm just going to go take a summer off and just like walk around right. Paris and like, try to find yeah. myself. Yeah. yeah. I would so. totally walk around Paris in the rain. I don't know about you. Um, yes, uh, I, I love the rain. Okay. I love walking in the rain. Yeah. I love the idea of like, 
just like not letting the rain hold you back instead yeah. of like where it's like, oh, we can't even with like, you know, most people on umbrellas. And if you don't have an umbrella, you get a little wet. Like, it's no big deal. Yeah, um, it's water. It'll try. Yeah. And I do think like Paris looks very nice when it's raining. Absolutely. So, right. All right. Uh, Owen wrote it this week and said, cool. first film my wife and I watched together as a married couple. Oh, on a United Airlines flight separated by several rows while flying over a thunderstorm in Colorado. How romantic. Was Where do you think Owen went on his honeymoon? Ah. Uh, He's flying over Colorado, so it's a long flight because Vegas. he's Vegas. He, would def- he doesn't struggle. Vegas, Vegas baby. Guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to say Hawaii. Um, okay. Very yeah, long Hawaii flight to fly from Ireland. Yeah, Hawaii makes a lot of sense. Uh, only continues was enjoyable fare, though wasn't enamored much with Wilson. Oh. Michael Sheen though was so fantastic as the sly, vile, know nothing who it all. Uh, no nothing. No. No nothing who it all. No nothing know it all. Sorry, I can't read today. Uh, no nothing know it all. Ironic. So wanted to punch his character in while re- reveling in the performance. Agreed. Enjoyed the theme of longing for a more romantic, idealized period of artistic endeavor, only to realize all those have their own self doubts and glorifications of works prior to them. Mm-hmm. Good strong film. Not as great as Alan's earlier, funnier masterpieces, or his strong female-led fair of the 80s and early 90s. One more thing, my movie map is to yesterday, as it also has a heavy influence from British time, traveling sitcom, Goodnight Sweetheart, though done more successfully than yesterday. Mm. Four out of five stars for Owen. Yeah, I think that's something we didn't talk about. It's like that he discovers yeah. that these idealized artists that he admires so much actually had the same soft outs that he's dealing sure. with, right? Yeah. Um, and again, I love it's like how like Hemingway's like, I'm not going to read your novel. Like, I can't. Like, what if you're better than me? Right. Yeah. yeah. I'll be. Uh, I'll either hate it or I'll hate it because I'm jealous of you. I right. thought that was that. I think that's like one of those like nuggets of the of the psyche that mm-hmm. Woody Allen gets into in his movies. Um, and. You know, I again like the idealized version of of Ernest Hemingway is you're reading his novel and you're like, wow, this guy is brilliant. But you don't when you're doing that, you're not thinking about those in between times or the struggles that he had. Exactly. Um, and that he was, you know, the imperfections that he had as a creator, not just as a person. Right. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, I'd be curious. Uh, I think Owen messaged me that he was like working on a list of his favorite Woody Allens or something, but he didn't want to uh, send it in. But fair enough. Uh, I don't know. I'd be I'd be curious what Alan thinks and anybody who's listening like are what are people's favorite Woody Allen movies because I think he's got a number that really stand out for me I have a ton my watch list I think I have like ten Woody Allen films on my watch list that I want to mm-hmm. see at some point um, and again like there there's good ideas in there and there's tons of people worked on them that have not done the things that Woody Allen has done so uh, all right Alex L closes us out and says bonjour again Zach and Brendan another film set in France huh. Well, this is definitely my favorite of the three so far. And mm-hmm. like the other two, I also saw this one in theaters. I really liked it then, and it does still hold up okay, but it's definitely not quite one of my favorites anymore. More cute than hot. Mm. One of the wilder parts that I had forgotten about it is that the PI gets trapped in the past. <laughs> yeah. so, now, I feel like that is like the, one of the things that will stick with me from oh, this. Oh, absolutely. Just like, I can't imagine the, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Alex says, the implications of that are wild, especially since people can seemingly easily find artifacts from the people in the past that they've interacted with. Yep. Like Gil finding Adriana's diary is an insanely <laughs> contrived plot detail. Yeah, I just kind of... Wow, what a coincidence. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> 
yeah, so they're going to find, like, you know, this, the PI is, like, I don't know, some something from him. I mean, his clothes are going to nice. disintegrate, but, um, yeah. Uh, four out of five for Alex. Nice. Yep. All right. Uh, yeah, don't think about the details. So, yeah, we're yeah. Uh, almost, you know, mugging the librarian half star out of everybody being a four for this. Yeah, uh, so that gives us a 4.125 from the listeners, at least. Nice. Hmm. Um, I'll go first. Um, yeah, go for All it. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'm a four with most of the listeners. I really like this movie. I think it's like, like Alex said, it's cute, not hot. I think it's got some really interesting ideas. It's, um, I, I love just like the the premise is just like not not super complicated, and mm-hmm. we, I feel like it's just uh, it was an enjoyable time. It filmed, I think it the filming of Paris. Paris looks gorgeous in this, yep. and um, I enjoyed it. I don't know if it's one I would necessarily like go back to, but if if I did, I don't think I would regret watching it again because i think there's a lot to chew on and a lot of good lines and uh now i know what the word pedantic means when i start seeing that <laughs> there you go well i certainly did not regret watching this again and revisiting for the pod um i think we had a really great discussion on it um i adore this movie um but you know there are other time travel related movies that i absolutely adore more there are more ro- romantic comedies that i absolutely adore more that explore similar themes um and I also kind of, I mean, see, this is this is where we go back to this, can we separate the art from the artist thing? I think I do have to knock it half a star from what I would give it just for the person that made it. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just where I am. Um, I, So I'm right there with you and the listeners giving it a four. Yeah. Um, well, when we you know, do Chinatown, I, you're going to have to knock uh, Polanski down for Chinatown. Oh, absolutely. Too. I'll take him down to Chinatown. Yeah. No. Um, no, I get it. And... Uh, yeah. I don't know. I just think like, but I think the performances in this movie are wonderful. I think it's brilliantly shot. I think the score is absolutely wonderful. Um, and I love how short it is. I mean, it's a, it's a brisk 94 minutes, you know, it's, it moves you right through the plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We get right into it. And again, it's uh pretty high concept, which is nice yep. too. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's an enjoyable, I mean, it's, it's like a trip to Paris. It's an enjoyable experience. Yep. There you go. Um, but you're going to have a hard time do, remembering... do, you, do you think that the Gil and mm-hmm. Gabrielle relationship, do you think that's successful, or do you think this is just a short fling? And then I think this is just know. a short thing. I think it's very... I mean, there are some movies that we could connect to for next week that mm-hmm. I think that are very, very uh, similar in the relationships mm-hmm. in this movie. Um, so we'll, we'll get there when we get there. But, yep. um, yeah. All right. Should we hit the uh, box office real quick? Box so office for this game. Yeah. This debuted at number 13, but it only debuted in six theaters that week. Mm-hmm. Um, some other highlight. This was the uh, May 20th, 2011. Yeah. So it had a very, uh, just very over 12 years ago. Release. Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of interesting. The movie released in May uh, had an Oscar campaign that led to, uh, yeah. led to be nominated for Best Picture. So, well, I mean, it, it, it never was in like a whole bunch of theaters. Like I think it, at its height, it was like 200 theaters which is not a lot of theaters i think that's why i never got around to seeing it because i yeah. remember hearing about it when it came out and this was mm-hmm. you know i was living in dc at the time it was playing at uh i'm sure it was playing some of the smaller theaters in dc and i was like oh i like woody allen i like owen wilson i should go see this movie and i just kind of never got around to seeing it mm-hmm. um other movies uh, in the box office so number one movie was uh on stranger tides Pirates of the caribbean <laughs> uh on stranger tides which Pirates of the caribbean is that do you have any idea like three maybe okay. i don't know i don't know no idea um yes, number two movie a movie that i did see in theaters bridesmaids so yes, um that was go. in its second week of release so it dropped um that i think it, i think it was number one the week before uh no sorry it was number two the week before because number one the week before was thor the original thor, uh right? yes the first yes. thor um 
number four in the theater, Fast Five. So, yep. Um, there you go. Fast and Furious movie. One of my, I think the best Fast and Furious movie, but um, there's some good ones in there. And um, let's see, anything else that's worth noting? Um, I don't think anything else that we've done on this podcast was in the box office okay. that week that it debuted. Um, but we can hop over and, uh, yeah, let's hop over and look at the Oscars from that year, too. So uh, we talked about this last last week because this is the same best picture race as Hugo. So yep. uh, The Artist won, Hugo, Midnight in Paris, Moneyball, all three movies are movies that we've covered on this podcast that were all Absolutely. nominated in the 2012 Oscars. Um, yep. And uh, Martin, Martin Scorsese for Hugo, Woody Allen for Midnight in Paris, both nominated for Best Director as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, no acting awards for this movie though uh or acting nominations all right uh here are the movie i gotta give it to hemingway uh, okay i'm gonna give it to, i'm gonna give it to Corstel's hemingway i'm with megan the librarian um i think he just steals the movie yeah he's really good like right out from under everybody mm-hmm. i think he's really fantastic um so yeah i'm gonna give it to hemingway um yeah i'm, I'm torn i think i well just for sake of not giving it to the main character i'm gonna give it to michael sheen um there you go not the character of paul but michael sheen because i just think he's so hateable in this movie and like that is a good actor performance to make a character who's so hateable and so like he's transparently so yeah he's like such good he's so yeah he does such a good job of like being tra- being a trans like apparently like such a transparent moron to the to the audience but not yeah. to the not to any That's of the characters like everybody else there. buys his bullshit but the audience it's yeah. so obvious that this guy has no idea what he's talking about and just yeah when he's talking about the wine and he's and he corrects the museum guy yeah yeah um oh and i will i'm gonna so have two I'm last gonna, things because there's yeah. something else i was gonna bring up um, tinny but okay i'm gonna yeah, remember that like, like the movie tinny but okay tinny but yeah um all right uh yeah uh here so we did hear the movie connections uh yeah i mean obviously we have paris we have clocks striking at specific time mm-hmm. um what else we got oscars. Yeah. yeah 2011 oscars 2012 oscars um what else so, my title connection i wrote that was uh 2012 oscars in france yeah um, um we running also through, have the 1920s through the in, in both yeah. movies as well that we do um, yeah so um yeah. Characters having to run through the streets of Paris. Yeah. Yeah. What was your What was your clock connection to Hugo? What was your title connection with the clock? Uh, I said the clock strikes midnight. Clock strikes midnight. Yeah. But we have midnight in the title for this already, so I think we should do 2012, 2012 Oscars in France or in Paris. Ugh, that's so boring. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know. The clock. Um. The clock in Paris or something. Paris. The Parisian clock. You just want to say Clock Strikes Midnight? We're going to have Midnight twice in the title of this podcast. I don't care. Who cares? I don't know. I think... I think Because uh, the uh, clock is the big thing in Hugo, and it's striking midnight in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the, the thing. How about, when, how about when the clock strikes? When the clock strikes. There you go. Sure. Cool. I like it. When the clock strikes. All right. Plus the Oscars in 2012. <laughs> oh, fuck off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I... I I kind of wish we had some characters that crossed over between like we have 1920s yep. Paris in both movies. It would have been yeah, fun if we had sure. like one character who crossed over between the yep. two movies. Kind of crazy. Both of these movies nominated for best picture in the same year when they're both like about uh, yeah. sim- like similar time periods. Yep. Um, and, and, uh, the, uh, Les, Mis was, of, uh, Les Mis was the year after this, right? Yeah. yeah Les Mis was yep. 2013. Oscars. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, so other movies from this year besides, uh, the, besides obviously Pollock. I mean, 
we have a struggling artist who's mm. trying to figure out everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, also part of it's set around this same time. So there you mm-hmm. go. Yep. 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 Um, yeah. And so I, again, I'll, like yeah. real people. So we had we had yep. a lot of we had a lot of biopics. Interacting with real people. Um, yep. yep. So we have we have some real people in this. Uh there's a line in this, all that's missing is tuberculosis when they're talking yes. about old France. So if that felt yep. like a tie back to Les Mis. Yeah, there you um, go. And of course we have Benjamin. Uh, we have not Benjamin. But we have F. Scott Fitzgerald, and he wrote Benjamin Button. That's true. There yep. you go. Good so, job. Good direction. Um, also, the character in time, in like different time periods, interacting with uh, with famous figures like that reminded me. I was thinking of uh, Forrest yep. Gump. Oh, there you go. Yep. Good job. And didn't Banshees of Inisherin take place around the 1920s in Europe? I would have to remember the exact year. Could I be. believe it was the 1920s when the um, might have been. I would, have to, I would have to go back and remember. Yeah, because that was when the when the social okay. was going on. Yeah, there you go. So, um, all right. Any other connections to this? I, I feel like also like Secret Life of Walter Mitty, like the character who's kind yeah. of like in a rut, finding sort of an imaginary. Yeah. Yeah. So I, he, I, I don't remember if he went to Paris or not in that, but um, all right. What's your movie map? Uh, I mean, there are two big obvious ones that I put down. Uh, about time is the. You know, Rachel McAdams is the other woman dealing with her time-traveling fiancé-slash-husband. Megan the Librarian suggested this movie off of About Time. I figured figured she did. I figured somebody did. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Peggy Sue got married also, because you have somebody going back in time trying to be nostalgic about a time when things Mm -hmm. were easier in their lives. Yeah, Um, having that, like, time-travel. And learning a lesson from an elder about, yeah. Yeah. Peggy Sue got married was the other one, yeah. Um... What about Berman Island? Berman Island's a good one too, because you exploring an artist from the past uh, in an yes. exotic location. Um, and uh, wasn't there some like? It's also she... a vacation. I mean, and right? He, doesn't she like dream that she's... they're struggling? She's a struggling writer, right? She's mm-hmm. a struggling screenwriter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's uh, a struggling screenwriter. And I feel like doesn't I, I should remember this better, but doesn't she fall asleep in that and yeah, kind of like in the house, remember the yeah. past? Yep, she yeah, goes back house. to the past yep. in the house. Yeah, um, there you go. yeah, Moneyball also is a good one. Um, yep. So yeah, lots of uh, lots of connections to Boom. last year's movies. There you go. Good job. So all, all right. right. Um, other movies and this came up. The hours. Uh, Olin suggested yeah. this off the hours. Time traveling writer meeting famous authors. Yep. There you go. Um, and the Brothers Bloom, way back, episode 14, I suggested this. Adrian Brody, we knew and mentioned Adrian Brody, except he plays Salvador Dali. It's uh, such Europe. a weird, random 30-second performance. I don't know. Uh-huh. It didn't do anything for me. Yeah, he's barely yeah. in it, and you can't understand a word he's saying. Yeah, <laughs> so well, I, yeah I, I don't know Salvador Dali enough to know. It's that's too what. broad a caricature. It, it, that actually doesn't – that didn't work for me on this one. Okay. Um, well, yeah, this – that made – the in Paris made the finals that week. Nice. Um, and we went with Shutter Island, though. Okay. And then uh, came up last week, Midnight in Paris, was Megan Librarian's suggestion. Off nice. Of so, uh, Megan Librarian suggesting it twice. All right, one last thing. I thought I had one last thing, but now I don't remember what it was. Well, I have two, so if you don't have one. Then yeah, go for it. All right. Uh, my first is I was expecting um, Gil to meet Monet. And I looked up, and Monet died in 1926. And they, oh, went, yeah. so they went to uh, where Monet painted and, you know, where the lilies were. Mm-hmm. And I just was expecting Monet to pop up at some point in this movie. OK. Yeah. Um, and at least I didn't notice him. Maybe he's in the background somewhere. Um, so that was one. And my other one is just like the way this movie starts, you know, kind of going to what Ron said. Like it it's just like static shots of uh, or stationary shots of Paris 
and we get Paris not with rain and then it starts raining and it just I love that it sets you up immediately with like Paris in the rain and then that is just a running theme throughout this movie and it just shoots like so many different areas of Paris and it just really like films Paris well mm-hmm. um, so it yeah it just looked it, it looked really nice and made me want to visit Paris and made it just look idyllic which is what the movie's about things being idyllic so yeah um, it actually I, reminds me a lot of I'm not gonna this this isn't gonna come up in my connections um it reminds me a lot of what Catherine Hepburn's summertime did for Rome, which mm-hmm. is gallivanting around. Or sorry, Venice, Venice, which is gallivanting around. And Roman Venice. holiday. Yeah, and Roman holiday. Yeah. But oh, yeah, it's it, the same yeah. Time. Okay, you were talking about yeah. No, okay. I was talking about the the Catherine Hepburn movie summertime. Oh, yeah, no, Roman holiday is on her Yep. 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 Thank you for fixing that. All right. Cool. That's uh, cool. all right. Anything else that you want to uh want to touch no, on? No, let's let's figure out what we're gonna watch next week. All right, cool. So we're going to pick our movie for next week based on suggestions sent in by the listeners and ones that we brought as your host. I have a long list of them, but um, I'll I got a lot of stuff, down. but we'll see yeah. what happens. Um, so any anything that will connect off of Midnight in Paris. Uh, once we do pick that movie, send in your feedback at Letter Movie on Twitter and Instagram, movieladder at gmail.com, and check out Letterboxd where you can see all the movies that have been suggested and uh, you can see what we've covered as well. Sounds great. So, all right. Uh, we kick things off with Mega the Library and the aforementioned of taking one off my list right away, taking two off my list right away. Of course. Uh, Great Gatsby. Uh, yep. Let's revisit the 1920s again with F. Scott Fitzgerald, or with Scott Fitzgerald, old sport. Old sport. So, is, so F. Scott Fitzgerald, Scott, is this like a uh, Richard Brendan Fitzpatrick thing? It is a Richard Brendan Fitzpatrick, yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> he introduced himself as Scott Fitzgerald, but I only know him as F. Scott. It is F. Like, Scott Fitzgerald, yeah. All right. Scott Fitzgerald. It's like right. if I went by R. Brendan Fitzpatrick. I should put that in my signature. In my, you should. My you should start being our bread because it, it yeah. adds it adds a level of mystery as well. Oh, does it? oh where okay. people, ooh, what does the R stand for? Um, yeah. Uh, and so, Great Gatsby was 2013 too. So we're just staying around that 2011 go, yeah. to 2013 like range. Um, the one thing I will say is I've never seen this version of Great Gatsby oh. or any version of Great Gatsby. I did read The Great Gatsby in high school. I remember none of it. And so I have it on my Goodreads list to read The Great Gatsby, and I was kind of hoping to read the book before I saw the movie, but yep. if we picked it, then that wouldn't happen. Yep. Uh, her next one, this is not on my list, but I thought about it, Moulin Rouge, 2001. Uh, yep. Or we could go back to La Belle Epoque and hang out with uh, Toulou and Lutrec some more. Sorry for the pronunciation. We could just sing Elephant Love song medley like over yep. and over again. Yeah. All right. And her third one, this was on my list, Inception, uh, Midnight in Paris has time travel within time travel, just as Inception yep. has dreams within dreams. Inception also has scenes that take place in Paris and a story about a man who's obsessed with Marion Cotillard. Yep. There you go. Boom. Yeah. Nailed it. Um, speaking of books, uh, I did read this book and I don't remember a ton of it. The Time Traveler's Wife, Rachel McAdams as a time travel adjacent again. Uh, <laughs> would complete she loves the being unexpected... adjacent to time travel. Yeah, would expect she... would complete the unexpected trilogy too between yep, the unexpected tri- Rachel McAdams. Actually, no, it wouldn't because it's a quadrilogy. It's the fourth it's one. It's a freaking st- Doctor Strange. Oh yeah, but which which Doctor Strange? Multiverse of Madness. Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, you we can just make a letterbox list that's uh, yeah. Rachel McAdams. Rachel and time McAdams travel. does time. Travel. Oh, he's not time travel. That's a uh, universe travel. He's more of a universe traveler. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's there is, true. I guess, the first one has some time travel, but eh, it's yeah, we'll eh, sort of. All right, Ron's next one: Two Days in Paris. Well, it's all in the name. Would also complete a Parisian month. Yes. Yep. Patty. Patty. Beloved Infidel, based on Hemingway's writing in Hollywood. Yep. Um, have you, read, any, I didn't ask you, have you yeah. read anything from by Ernest Hemingway? 
Uh, I read The Old Man and the Sea when I was a kid uh, for school. Okay. But I don't think I ever read Sodom Also Rises or any of this other stuff. Um, that's the book he's referencing at the beginning of the film when he's talking about, like, the, you know, when the, you know, the blood of my of my brother strewn across the countryside, you know. Oh, okay. It's, yeah. Nice. All right. Um, and, uh, I think it's Sun Also Rises. Olin will correct me if it's not Sun that's, that's right. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> speaking of Olin, Olin has Purple Rose of Cairo, Woody Allen film of interacting with people from another dimension. Yep. His next one, this was one on my list, but I was not going to put it on there because it is not yet streaming. Uh, John Wick 4, A Tour of uh, Paris. Yeah. And I know, Brendan, you have not yet seen John Wick 4. I've seen John Wick 4, yeah. Um, no. Yeah, Paris plays a prominent role just in terms of a setting, and it was the first movie I put on my list, and I was like, maybe it'll be streaming by next week, but it is not. Yep. Um, at least stream rentable. And then uh, his last one, Moulin Rouge, the 1952 version, the John Ooh. Huston effort, not the Baz Luhrmann one. The film is often associated with boosting sales of color TVs in America. Jose Ferrar plays Toulouse Lautrec, who is who is portrayed in Midnight in Paris by Vincent Minot Corte. <laughs> the can the can scene in Midnight in Paris is a homage to a similar scene in Moulin Rouge. Interesting, I don't know that. Okay, I've never, I've never seen the 52 version. Interesting. All right, and then Alex O. Two other Rachel McAdams movies were her significant other uh, travels across space and time, Doctor Strange or The Time Traveler's Wife. Yep. And a film whose title is literally what you've been doing this past month, The the French Connection. Yeah, I think I brought that up two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. It's a good one. Uh, that is it. a good way to close out French month. That is a good, uh, yeah. Nothing from Jim Crumley? Nothing from Jim Crumley today, and I even checked the sales folder. So. Oh, all right. Well, I, I hope Jim's doing well. He's Maybe he's busy. Maybe he is. All right. Well, it's a shorter week, and this week I'm, wasn't streamable. Right. All right, what do you got on your list? All right, uh, several things. Um, First off, to conclude Paris month, uh, let's always have Paris and go with Casablanca. Okay. We'll always have Paris. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like when another, the title connection is just very prevalent, or very, uh, you know, right there. Uh, how about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, another time travel classic that we haven't visited that feels very nostalgic to, you know. That was the second movie on my list. Yeah. From last uh, how about a movie set primarily in Paris? Uh, about a romance in Paris, uh, in a fair to remember. How about a week later film with Midnight in the title before Midnight? Mm, I have a different one. Okay. About a uh, couple trying to sort out their relationship before Midnight. And um, and Julie Delpy is uh, French as well. How about Owen Wilson gallivanting around France in the French Dispatch? The Wes Anderson. Anderson. Yep. One, two, three, four, four. So let me do one more. Um, let's do 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 Which one do I want to do? Um, another movie with Midnight. The no, that doesn't work. I'm not going to. Uh, let's do. Let's throw Wedding Crashers in there. We have Rachel McAdams. We have Owen Wilson. I know you love Wedding Crashers. I do. Um, yep. it's, it's a good time. It's going to be an auto five for me. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe not. They were engaged in this movie. Let's see what happens when they meet each other at a mm -hmm. wedding. Yeah, they have good. We didn't really talk about the chemistry they, do have they have chemistry. together, but I, yeah, I like them together. There were there were moments, especially when they're alone in the hotel room, where I felt like they had um, just good chemistry between the two of them, and you could yeah. tell that they they cared for each other, but there were external factors. I feel like yes, uh, uh, and internal we, factors. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
All right. Um, I had to rearrange my list because a lot were taken off. Uh, was that Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Brendan? Yes. Uh, Excellent Adventure. Actually, let me throw a sixth one on there. Okay. There's an Owen Wilson movie that just dropped to streaming where he plays a painter called Paint. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Doesn't he play, um, what's his face, Bob Ross? It's based off of Bob Ross, but he's not actually Bob Ross. Okay. So it's yeah. not a biopic. All right. Paint. 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 And that's not about the, it's not about the computer program. Paint. It's not about the, computer, the Microsoft Paint. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, cool. I have a lot on my list. Um, let's see. What do I want to go with? Um, first one, uh, we had a new Pixar movie coming out this week. Uh, how about we go to France and we go Ooh. in the kitchen of France? So we That's saw people really- dining in this movie, but we didn't see the, uh, you know, we didn't see the behind the scenes machinations of the, of the dining. So that's Ratatouille. Nice. Um, also, there's a lot with critics and people being snobs and stuck yep, up. For sure. Um, so I think there's some good characters that you can connect to and I do uh, enjoy Ratatouille. Stay in France. So, um, and it's one I haven't seen since it came out, so I've wanted to revisit it. Uh, Exterminating Angel, especially since you said you haven't seen yep. it. It's a very weird movie, but Exterminating Angel is uh, inspired by Gil's actions in this movie. And it's there a weird go. movie. It's a weird, like, mix of sci-fi and interpersonal. Um, and I think there's probably a reason why Exterminating Angel is brought up in this movie. I think mm-hmm. there's some thematic things. Interesting. Um, Next one, uh, this movie reminded me a lot. I was like, this reminds me a lot of another movie where somebody just goes, randomly goes back in time in Europe, and I don't remember why. Uh, and that's Last Night in Soho. Yep. Although, was that Europe, or was that... that it's was, London. That wasn't, it's London. It was London. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought, but then I was thinking of Soho in New York, and I was like, wait a second. Okay, yep. Um, and I think the time period were... No, she didn't go back in the... I think she went back to the 1950s in Last Night in Soho. So, um, 60s, yeah. You have Before Midnight. I'll put Before Sunset on my nice. list. Uh, Neither of us also because that one takes place in Paris. So yeah, um, nice. That's four. Um, How about Titanic? Got Kathy Bates in Titanic. Uh, It's not quite the 1920s, but the time period is a little bit similar. People going on vacation, Mm -hmm. vacation gone wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, Rich stuck-up people dining, uh, not approving of a male figure. There you go. Yep, that's a lot about class. Yep. 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 Class. and yeah, oh, I got to pick there. one more. I got to yeah. pick one more. Um, uh, all right. Uh, Asteroid City is coming out this week. Nice. Um, so it's not Asteroid City. Because uh, Asteroid City actually is coming out in two weeks. Uh, yeah. But Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, it's a hotel. Nice. It, it's, I think it's in Switzerland, though. Not in, not in France. But um, And we have a lot of cast connections. I think yep. uh, Adrian Brody, um, Owen Wilson, and Leia Sadu are all in that movie, yep. I believe. Yeah. Um, Good job. This yeah. is, I'm, I'm proud of us. Good job, everybody. This is, yeah, one, this thing is I, one thing I didn't mention on Midnight in Paris that I meant to is just, like, yes. how many people are – I mean, we have lots of people in this that are also in Wes Anderson movies, and it does yes. sort of feel like this could have – like there's It a does this feel a little bit like Wes movie. Anderson movie. I agree, yeah. Um, I thought about Midnight Run just for the Midnight uh, title connection. Oh, yeah, I had Midnight uh, in the Garden of Good and Evil for that. Yeah, uh, French Kiss. Uh, Night at the Museum I thought about. Because it's sort of time traveling with all of the artifacts of the past coming to life. Oh shit! There was one big one that I meant to mention. Oh man, uh, it's about a struggling writer who has writer's block, and there is like a really good connection, but it would be a spoiler if nobody's seen the ending of it. The Shining. Hmm. Um, oh yeah. What's yeah. the one connection that would be? The, you've seen the end of The Shining. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, duh. Okay, the very, yeah, the the very, very end, end of The yeah. Shining. 
Yeah, yeah. I was thinking not the very ending. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, very, okay. Very that, the Shining is a good one. That's that's yeah. good. But I'm not gonna throw it on there. But that's my biggest honorable mention that I shouldn't have done. Cool. Yeah, I just have a couple. So I said Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, uh, Red Eye, Rachel McAdams, Vacationing Gone Wrong. Yep. Um, uh, the Village. Red Eye's good. Yeah. People, people who are uh, living in the past and Adrian Brody. Good point. Yep. Um, Royal Tenenbaums, another yep. one with uh, cast connections to Wes Anderson, and um, and Match Point, which is mm-hmm. one of my favorite Woody Allen movies. Scarlett Johansson. It's it's more of like murder mystery, uh, but it's about upper upper high class society. Um, another really good Woody Allen movie that I will just mention if you haven't seen it is called um, Melinda and Melinda. Yeah. And basically the the movie is the plot of the movie is that there's people like upper class, of course, always upper class people in Woody Allen upstairs, films, downstairs. like snobs. Yeah. Um, and they're sitting at dinner and somebody tells a story and half the table says that's a comedy and half the table says it's a tragedy. And so that's, you see the story. Tw- I think I probably talked about this during sliding doors. You see the story play out twice and there's a comedic version. That's got like Will Ferrell and Steve Carell. And then a dramatic version. That's, um, Oh, that's wild. See, like, I like that. You see two versions of the same story. One's a tragedy and one's a comedy. Interesting. There is a Woody Allen movie that, um, about a character where the main character is obsessed with the past and takes, basically takes love advice from the like shadow visage of Humphrey Bogart who visits him in the middle, like in his dreams and gives him love advice mm-hmm. tangentially connected to this just because of the, you know, which one movie was that one? Uh, it's called play it against Sam. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Woody Allen is like a huge, my, he has, he's been a lot of movies. So for sure. All, All right. right. Uh, let's take it from the top. Let's see what cool. we got. Uh, the great Gatsby Mulan Rouge, 2001 inception. The Time Traveler's Wife, Two Days in Paris, Beloved Infidel, Purple Rose of Cairo, John Wick 4, Moulin Rouge, Doctor Strange, The Time Traveler's Wife, The French Connection, Casablanca, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, An Affair to Remember, Before Midnight, French Dispatch, Wedding Crashers, Paint, Ratatouille, Exterminating Angel, Last Night in Soho, Before Sunset, Titanic, and Grand Budapest Hotel. Zach, you get to go first. Before you go, um, um I also did just think of another honorable mention um, <laughs> about a person who travels through time that where the lead character is also currently uh, very embattled, as the press box would put it. Uh, hmm. The Flash movie comes out next week. Oh, yeah. So, there oh, you go. No, that, that, yeah, that actually, I do like that as well. Yeah. <laughs> the, the embattled time travel. The embattled time travelers. Right. There you go. Um, well, that's not eligible. Right, um, I, I, I'll throw Inception on there. I had that nice. on my list. Um, one of my favorites. So, you know. Uh, we got a Nolan. We, got, we go back to Nolan. We got a Christopher Nolan movie coming out uh, in just a couple weeks. True. True. With uh, the Oppenheimer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like a lot of the listener picks this week. What do I want to do? I think I have to give it up to Megan Librarian with Great Gatsby. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, but I also kind of, I've never seen The Time Traveler's Wife. That's the other thing, though. Never actually the seen. trilogy. We could complete the quad, the trilogy quadro. Well, we wouldn't complete Rachel the Doctor Strange I've never seen, I've never seen Time Traveler's Wife. I don't know if it's any good. I have no idea. Um... <laughs> I think there's an interesting connection with the time traveler's wife uh, to Woody Allen. There's like a let's go with the time traveler's wife. Yeah, there was uh, just a series on it. I think got canceled too. There was a series. Yeah, I believe. uh, I believe the great Marissa Garza was uh, podcasting. I um I really liked the book when I read the time traveler's wife, and I um, 
Um, movie, uh, the first, the first result in Letterboxd, movies in which Rachel McAdams plays a time traveler's wife. Midnight Paris, Doctor Strange, About Time, and Time Traveler's Wife. There you go. Boom, um, nailed it. Movies in which Rachel McAdams plays a time traveler's wife. This, yeah, there's uh, like four, five, uh, <laughs> four or five lists of this. Yep. All right. Yeah. Now I get to pick off of your list. Yep. Um, I'm actually pretty proud of my list. So like, oh, yeah, that's good. Doesn't block out Bill and Ted. Uh, you know, it's. Paint sounds interesting, but um, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be that good. Uh, I'm going to go Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Um, That's a great call. Yeah. That was like the first thing I thought of is like people traveling through time and interacting with famous figures. I think Napoleon, they interact with Napoleon, right? Um, Yep. Yeah. Um, I never saw the third Bill and Ted's, and I don't think I've seen any of the Bill and Ted's in a very long time. So. Yeah. Uh, From your list, I I like your list too. Um, Thanks. really intrigued by exterminating angel um last night so i did not care for but i think that it would be an interesting conversation before sunset feels like one that we should do um then we got grand budapest too but that's mostly just a casket i should ratatouille would be fun um i think i'm gonna go with before sunset because oh wow now where i thought you were gonna go it's people walking around paris it having is. a conversation about life and love and before the clock strikes a certain time, not midnight, but before. Time. Yeah, yeah, I think it's before sunset. All right. Um, well, before sunset, it's only eighty minutes long. It's crazy. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that short. Uh, that's short, my favorite of the three in the trilogy. Although, yeah. I think I would have to watch the whole trilogy again. Yeah, I, if would do I think before midnight was my favorite one. Uh, that was the weakest three, one for we'll me. See what happens. We'll see what happens if we pick that. Uh, so yeah, we got. Four very different movies. Uh, Inception. Three similar movies, but yeah. yeah. Inception, The Time Traveler's Wife, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and Before Sunset. Um, right. Yeah. Go back right, to where's it. Inception streaming? Uh, HBO. Yeah, it's, uh, it's called Max now, but yes, HBO Oh, Max. fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Time Traveler's Wife, where do you think Also Max. Nope, I would hope, because they had the TV show, right? Uh, yeah, and I think they took the TV show off. I think that's one of the, like, Oh, that's, one of, oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. Um. This, okay, so the so time travel is what I was just going to say. That was a very dense book, and okay. the movie's only 108 minutes. So, uh, <laughs> Incredible. All yeah. right. Uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Probably start? not available. <laughs> oh, no, lots of places. Prime Video, Hoopla, oh, and then Tubi and Roku Channel with ads. I love it. And Before Sunset. Um, I'm trying to remember if I streamed to that Paramount Me. Uh, I think it used to be streaming somewhere, but it is just uh, rentable. Rentable, okay. Um, but what are you what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Um, I know that you would love to go Nolan. Um, I mean, Before Sunset and Inception are two movies I absolutely love. Um, yeah. But I'm gonna throw Inception or Bill and Ted's is like I, I think Time Traveler's Wife was a more interesting book than the movie. I wouldn't be. I would like to visit it at some revisit it at some point, but I don't think especially since it's not easily streamable. I don't think it's. Worth yeah, it. I think it would be really fun to, to pivot to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, even though it would effectively end um, Paris month. Well, either is going to end, you know, Inception pretty much would too. There's just like a little That's bit true. of Paris and in Inception. Sure. Um, I really thought you were going to pick Ratatouille off my list. I'm surprised. But um, yeah, right, well, let's do Bill and Ted's. We both thought about That's it. Fun. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, Traveling back into the past and interacting with uh, historical with figures, historical yeah. figures, and I think also um, do they inspire? Do they inspire historical figures to do things like we get the exterminating angel scene in? Yes. Um, all right, uh, all right. Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Yep. Um, 
So not the Keanu Reeves movie I was thinking that we might do. But <laughs> we might do. Sadly, yeah. John Wick 4. Maybe John Wick 4 will be streaming in two weeks. And By the way, well, maybe it will. Maybe yep. it will. This is uh, going to be. Who's the director of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Brendan? Do you great know? question. No idea. Uh, Stephen Herrick. I have um, no idea who that is. Uh, well, you should, because he did Don't Tell the Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Love that. Also, the Mighty Ducks, 101 Dalmatians. Three oh, so he's one of those open. 90s, that guy. Okay, yeah, he's it, a yeah. 90s director, the guy. 90s, 90s director. Um, does not look like he did the other movies in Bill and Ted's series, though. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Uh, travel back, more historical, fi- more interactive with historical figures. Um, yes. And it is, that is fun. Like, we get historical figures played by, you know, famous actors. Um, yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be a good time. Or I don't know if they're famous. I guess they're they're just actors. They're, they're just they're actors, actors, but sure. Cool. <laughs> All right. Uh, yep. So that's on Amazon, Hoopla, and uh, um, some of the ad-supported networks too. Yep. Coming up next week, Brennan. What are you looking forward to watching this week? Uh, I mean, I'm really excited for what apparently is the greatest super, the second greatest superhero ever made in the Flash. Um, ah. Excited to go. Excited to go check that out this weekend and see. If the hype is deserved, um, it'll who's be saying really it's the second best? Who's saying it's the best? Uh... Like the entire internet before oh, really? before across the Spider Verse came out. Oh wow! Yeah, the hype was the hype was like massive for the Flash. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm excited to go see it though. I'm a little multiversed out. I am a little multiversed out too, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. The, the, this uh, this movie really ran into a buzzsaw with. Uh, Coming out two weeks after Across the Spider. <laughs> well, and all the other things. So yeah, and all the other things. But yeah, I just um, feel like I don't know. I'm kind of like, I don't, yeah. I don't know, who knows? I mean, DC has burned so many bridges. It's hard to like really. Well, that's yeah. the other thing. It's it's it, it, multiverses for me eliminate a lot of stakes because things yep. can so easily be re- reset. And yep. DC Universe has no stakes. So. Yep. Um, but uh, I'm also going to be uh, spending the weekend rewatching. Uh, some specific arcs in the Clone Wars animated series as we get ready to kick off our summer road to Ahsoka and yeah. the Ahsoka show coming to Disney+. Plus uh, Next week, Mike Bloom, Rich, Phil Berto, and I will be recording a uh, basically what you need to know about Ahsoka Tano podcast that should be in feeds uh, early next week. So excited for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Over um, a bunch of recaps. But it's yeah, of course, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, don't, I have some stuff. I actually have I have Pulp Fiction out from the library, um, yes. mostly because I was reading an article about Quentin Tarantino, like his idea for a James Bond movie, and it just mm-hmm. made me want to rewatch Pulp Fiction. So I got that from the library. So I might be watching nice. Pulp Fiction just randomly tonight. Um, nice. And uh, I think I'm going to be watching My Dinner Room with Andre for Criterion, uh, which will be the yeah. first time for Criterion that I've done a rewatch. But there's just really not much on that Worth list. It. And yeah. uh, I've been wanting to see My Dinner with Andre again. So fair enough. Yep. All right, and uh, we'll be both watching Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and we'll be back next week to talk about it. Do we get we get Keanu Reeves and like his like whoa? That's like when when he kind of that's has, the original whoa, I believe. That's the yes. original whoa. The original All right. whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Keanu Reeves, Alex Winter, George Carlin. Let's wait. Did it come out before or after Parenthood? Because he does give a whoa in Parenthood. Does he? Um, I think Parenthood might have been the same year actually. Uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure was '89, which I believe is the same year. Uh, yes, it is. Yep. Yeah. So there you go. So he um, was he, blowing it up in '89. Yeah, and he's Todd in Parenthood. So we've got yes. uh, we've got Bill and Todd. Todd and Ted. Yeah. Yeah. So. Ted right. Logan. Well, we'll be back next week to talk about Bill and Ted, 
And uh, oh, he's Ted. It's Ted and Todd. Yeah, he's Ted okay. Theodore Logan. Yeah, yeah, he's Ted. And this yeah. is another movie that is tight in 90 minutes. Nice. All right, cool. Well, we're getting everybody outside to enjoy their summers and not be inside watching TV. Absolutely. So, all right. So for next week for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Party on, dudes. Yeah, I'm looking at the cast list for, like, the historical figures, and it looks like they just got a bunch of lookalikes. I don't recognize any of the names in the Bill and Ted movie <laughs> that play any of the historical figures. But yeah, we'll I know. I, I, yeah. I was trying to remember okay. if there were any, like, good cameos. Maybe at the time. Maybe in 1999 there were good cameos. Very um, funny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, Liza says, how many movies does Rachel McAdams have to play in that she's dating or married to a time traveler? Yes. The answer is four. That is the, <laughs> the answer at, at this point is four. Or well, five, five if you count. You know, five, five if you count Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, where in the stand-in, this is, from, this is from Parker, where in the stand-in for Woody Allen is praised by all the greatest writers of all time and three women fall in love with him. Yep, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, and <laughs> Megan Bitchell says, uh, this would be really compelling if I had never read a book before. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, great concept. This is from Brandon. Great concept, but didn't quite come together. Why is Starry Night used on the poster when Vincent isn't referenced in the movie? I was wondering that. Good question. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, all right, we'll we'll close things out with Liam. Liam says, "Where there's a Wilson, there's a wow." <laughs> <laughs>